Let's look at the verse, Acts 1, 9 through 11. Let me read it to you. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. I, I think this is a phenomenal account. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher of your word. I'm your preacher. And upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, last Thursday, about 9 o'clock, Amy sent out uh, through all of our social media posts in uh, any way that you can connect with us, app, website, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, about Ascension Day. I hope you took that uh, reading, uh, which I'm using today. I hope you were able to listen to that song by Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins was in my day uh, back in the 70s. Uh, was killed in a car wreck going to a concert. A great, great guy, phenomenal musician. Uh, and uh, we chose that one because he mentions the ascension of Jesus in that song. It's called Creed. And uh, hopefully you were able to use that and it was to be a blessing to you. Uh, the early church looked at these days. Like after the resurrection, Jesus lived 40 days on the earth and then he ascended. So they celebrated Ascension Day. Coming up in a few days is going to be the day of Pentecost, uh, which will be uh, the next time that we were able to meet together. And we're going to be doing communion that day. It's going to be a day of remembrance and a day of celebration for the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit birthed the church. So I'm going to walk you through these 11 verses for just a moment. Hopefully they won't be boring to you, but pick out a few things in each of the verses and then get on with the whole reason of why the ascension is part of the, the story of the gospel. I write the first narrative, Luke, Luke begins. If you need help with this, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and then he wrote the book of Acts. So see the gospel of Luke is volume one. See the book of Acts is volume two. All right, because they go together. I wrote the first narrative to Theophilus. Theophilus can be an individual or it could be a reference to a group of people. It means God lover. You see the word Theo in there meaning God and then the word uh, phileo is the part of him uh, meaning a brotherly love and a godly love. Uh, so it means Theophilus, either a person or a group of people. Above all that, Jesus began to do and teach. Verse two, until the day he was taken up, which is ascension. After he had given orders through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen, he's taken up. If you read the, if you read the New Testament, you, you, you think, well, it doesn't talk about ascension a lot. Well, maybe not the word ascension, but it talks about Jesus going through the clouds. It talks about him being taken up and all those things. It mentions it all the time and it's very important to the gospel story. He was taken up. Go to verse three. 
After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, 40 days after the resurrection, and speaking about the kingdom of God. If you read the gospels, he comes in talking about the kingdom of God and he is leaving talking about the kingdom of God. Verse four, while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. This is important. Why did he tell them to go back to Jerusalem? Jerusalem is one of the harder places to go to. In a minute, you're gonna say he goes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the world, right? Jerusalem would be local. It'd be local. And then Jerusalem, Judea would be the state of Kentucky. Samaria would be the United States. And then obviously the other parts of the world would be international. That'll help you look at it. Now, is it easier for you to witness outside this area or inside this area? Me outside. Yeah. If you witness inside this area, you, 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 it becomes pretty difficult. Now it becomes even more difficult for them. They're going, you want me to go back to Jerusalem? Didn't they just kill you? And so what are the disciples thinking? If they killed him in Jerusalem, do you think they're gonna put a, a sign out front on Main Street, block it off and welcome these guys? No, if they killed Jesus in Jerusalem, well, wonder what they're gonna do with us who are his witnesses. And where's the first place he tells them to go? Back to one of the most difficult places. Go back and, and look, this is emphasized twice in these verses. This is the first time. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay there, but to wait for the Father's promise, which is what? The Father's promise is that he's gonna send the Holy Spirit. He's gonna give the Holy Spirit. We'll get there in just a moment. It's the next verse, actually. This, he said, is, go back to verse four. Thank you. This, he said, is what you heard from me. Verse five. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, hang on, okay? I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you, you can't look at Scripture logically. You're, you're going, well, what do you mean? For example, you, you look logically and you go, well, the God the Father was in the Old Testament. You know, you got it figured out, right? Jesus shows up at Bethlehem in the New Testament, grows into a man, our Savior, dies for our sins, resurrected from then the Holy Spirit comes. So logically, you will put God the Father in the Old Testament, you'll have Jesus showing up in the Gospels, and you'll have the Holy Spirit coming out after he's ascended. And that sounds logical, and that sounds good. Right or wrong? It's all wrong. Jesus is at the very beginning. All things were made through him, by him, and for him. Okay? He doesn't just show up in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is at the very beginning of all of it. And so I said all that to get you ready for this. In a, in a, in a few days, they are going to get together with 120 people, men and women, Part of them is the family of Jesus. And they're gonna be praying for 10 days. And then the Holy Spirit burst the church after the 10 days. So at 40 days, he's ascended. They pray for 10 days. The Holy Spirit burst the church 
on the 50th day. The word Pentecost just means 50 is really what it means. So many of us logically can think that the 120 who were praying were praying to bring the Holy Spirit down. That's not true. The Holy Spirit was promised before they even met to pray. It was promised by Jesus in the Gospels, and it, it's, it's here. Do you, I want you to see this. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's already, so why did they get together and pray? They got together and prayed for those 10 days so they would be ready when the Holy Spirit does arrive. They will be able to handle all that he's doing with them. So verse six, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? It's a political question. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. Jesus comes in as king. He comes in as king. They lay down their clothes, the palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. He coming in as king. Before that, the disciples are thinking he's gonna set up an earthly kingdom, like a government kingdom. And while they are with him in the gospels, do you remember the disciples are arguing back and forth? Who's gonna be the greatest in his kingdom, right? Hang on, moms. Hang on, mom. Even, even their two brothers, their mother got involved and pulled Jesus off to the side and like, is, are my boys gonna be on the starting five? Which of my boys is gonna sit on the right and which of my boys is gonna sit on the left? These disciples have seen him have lame people walk, blind people see, dead people raise. I'll remind you that Lazarus was decomposing. He was decomposing. He was starting to stink in the tomb and he raised him out of that. They've seen him take fishes and loaves and feed over 5,000 people and bring back more than they started off with. You all listening? They've seen all this and they're still thinking, is he gonna set up this political kingdom? And if he is, where am I gonna be in this kingdom? Because they're jockeying for position. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in your heart. It is God ruling your heart. You need to guard your heart because your heart is deceitful. Your heart will mislead you. We will sometimes tell people, follow your heart. Don't know that that's good advice because even what's left of this day, if I'm not careful, my heart will take my life and make me focus on just me. Anybody else have a heart out there like that? In the rest of this day, if I don't guard my heart, this old heart will make Jeff Eaton number one. All of our hearts will. That's why you, you, he says you gotta deny yourself, lay down your cross, lay down your life, deny yourself, pick up your cross, your sacrifice, and follow him. I've always gotta keep my heart in check because my heart is gonna make Jeff number one if I let it go. And I've gotta surrender that heart to be loyal to him constantly. Be on guard for what happens here. They've seen Jesus do all this stuff, and this is a political question. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Listen, we're, we're gonna remember next Sunday 
Uh, don't, don't think, I, I didn't have anything to do with where I was born, but don't think I'm not thankful that I'm here. I just want you to know the greatest movements of God are happening out of our country, okay? I just want you to hear that. We're talking about Asia. Movements of God are happening that are unspeakable. Northern India, thousands of churches are being started and planted weekly in India. Uh, things are happening all over the world, but yet you and I will walk around like we've got a hold of it. We're gonna to get to that point in just a moment. I'm gonna tell you why we don't. I'm gonna tell you in a moment why the other parts of the world are seeing unbelievable movements of God. And you and I, we get to look at a political structure and this, this is what's happening here. Lord, you, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? That's a political question. And the kingdom of God is not turf and it's not capital buildings and it's, it's your heart. Whenever he sees my heart, if I'm turkey hunting or washing my truck, I want him to know that my heart is loyal to him at all times. And that's where the kingdom of God rules your heart. Uh, he said to them, verse seven, this is gonna stir the mud for some of you all. Just don't throw the chairs at me, okay? But he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his authority. They're, they're talking about the restoration of Israel. And some people believe the Lord is even talking about his return because we'll mention that in just a moment because this is all part of the ascension story. But listen to me. Listen, I'm, I'm a well-educated country boy. I'm a country boy, but I'm a well-educated country boy. And we can hear that, you know, the Lord's gonna come back in September or October. And I just want you to know, I never pay any attention to that. I don't pay any attention to that. I believe in his return deeper than anybody that you know believes in the return of Christ. In fact, when I pray that pace prayer, Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I, I accept and receive. Lord, I surrender control. And Lord, I live in expectation. When I pray that E part, that E expectation, I always mention, Lord, today I live in expectation of your return. But it says here, that it is not for you to know times or periods. And people will argue, well, you may not know the time, but you can know the season. Well, that's what the word period means, season. You may not know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Listen, let's just, I wanna get down to where we live. I, I'm going to serve him till he calls me home or he returns one of the two. I go back to an old hymn that I grew up with. We'll work till Jesus comes. Y'all, anybody? Anybody as old as dirt as I am? We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. And then, and then he will call us home and carry us home. So I look at it this way. Whether he calls my name or he returns, I have work to do. And that's exactly the attitude that you're gonna see from heaven here in just a moment. Uh, even Jesus doesn't know the times and he says that. And he says only the Father has the authority to set those times. And I just rest with that. Whether he calls me home or he, bring, he comes back and gets us, which everyone comes first and you're going, what, do you want him to come back today? Listen, I'll run over you to get on the bus. Do you understand that? Yeah, 
I'll, I'll sling you out of the way. You know, I really won't, but you understand the sense of urgency. Look at verse eight. But you will receive power. He's going, you're worried about a kingdom on earth being established? And you're worried about the timeline of that? And, and, and Jesus says, but forget that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where are we going first? Jerusalem. Where's the hardest place? Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which is our mission statement. We wanna make sure we're serving him in Jerusalem, which is here. We wanna make sure we're serving him in Judea, which is Kentucky. We wanna make sure that we're serving him in Samaria, which is our United States. And we wanna make sure we're, sent, we're serving him internationally. Your pastor and our leadership use this as a model to make sure we're doing missions in all of these parts. After he had said this, is this not remarkable? He was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. He beamed him up, all right? I mean, he's sitting here talking to them and he's telling them the Holy Spirit's gonna have power and be on them and they're gonna be able to go back into Jerusalem and shake that place up. They're gonna be able to go to Judea and shake that place up. Samaria, shake that place up. The world, shake that place up. Quit worrying about an earthly kingdom. I want you to be living under the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch what happens. So he, he's now being ascended. Verse 10, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. I guess I would do that too, right? Would you dial 911 and say, you're not gonna believe what I just saw. Uh, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by, angels came down. You remember I preached a sermon not too long ago and I told you in the sermon, all the angels know where Jesus is. You remember at the resurrection? They go, where is Jesus? Well, he's on his way. They, they told me he's, he's on his way to see some people and you can find him there. Listen, heaven knows exactly where Jesus is all the time. And they know everything they need to know about him. And look at this. Uh, the, the, then they said, look at verse 11. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Which is what we can do. We just looking around. This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way, his return. Isn't that beautiful? Will come, all of heaven knows he's coming back. We'll come back in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. Look at that question. Why, you men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? You remember, it was the last Sunday that I told you men, I was trying to help you out, that women ask questions and it sounds like a question. If they were to write it out, it looks like a question, even as a question mark, yeah. right? But it's not a question. Yeah. Looks like it, sounds like it, has a question mark. The angels are right here with that too. It says, why do you stand here looking up into heaven? That's not a question. It looks like a question. There's even a question mark there. You know what they're saying? Get on with the work. Get on with the mission. What are you doing? I mean, they've seen him do all kinds of stuff. Walk on water. And I, I, I mean, this is a dazzling moment. And I love to preach about the ascension because people don't pay attention to it. It's as much a part of the gospel story as the cross and the resurrection. Not as central, but it's a part of the story. 
And here, why are you you looking? You've got got work to do. He's gone, physically ascended, and he's one day going to be coming back. And then let's act like little children and ask the question, well, where is he? Where is he? Scripture says he's at the right hand of God. Look at Romans 8, 34 quickly. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. And he also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes from us. Right hand of God is a language that depicts authority. Now, I'm just going to share this to you for fun. Hopefully, it'll lighten your day, okay? It's a joke from my dad's day, all right? I'm going to go ahead and age it. Uh, if, if my dad were living, he'd be 97 years old. Uh, but my dad passed away back in 1990 when I was 30 years old. So this comes from his heyday, okay? So I guess I'm saying if you like it, great. If you don't like it, I'll just blame that generation, all right? But uh, the right hand of God, this is hopefully will cheer you up. A little girl comes back from Sunday school. Mom and dad said, how was Sunday school? They said it was great said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And they said, we learned that, G- that God is left-handed. And said, well, how, how do you know God's left-handed? And said, the teacher said that Jesus is sitting on his right hand. Okay? Is that good? Okay. That's for your enjoyment. And I, I do those things after we take up the offering, by the way. I just want you to know. So, okay, you don't like it, you don't give. The, the, uh, the, um, so in, in this, in this, the right hand of God means a place of authority. Like we have a lot of law enforcement in this room as I speak. And, uh, it is the long arm of the law means it's, it stretches a long way. You know, it covers a lot of ground. It, the right hand of God is the same kind of euphemism. It is a place of authority, and he's at a place of authority. And look at the bottom, because we're going to emphasize this. What is he doing there? He's interceding for us. He's interceding. We're going to capture that. Mark 16, 19. This is about him being at the right hand. Then after speaking to them, Lord Jesus was taken up, ascension, into heaven, set down at the right hand of God, place of authority. First Peter three twenty two. It says, then after, then now, now that he has gone into heaven, he is at God's right hand with angels. I love this verse because it explains so much. He's with angels and authorities and powers submit to him. To some of you who really read God's word, you know in the Old Testament where it says in our, his enemies and our enemies will become his footstool? This is what it means. When he's on the throne at the right hand of God, our enemies and his enemies will become his footstool. He will prop his feet on them. They will be under him. You got it? That's out of, I think, Psalm 110, but I'm close anyway on that. Uh, so he's, he's there at the right hand of God. Look at Hebrews 1.3. The sun in the radiance is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word after making purifications for sins, which would be the cross. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's, I, I love this about Pentecostal worship because I think they get it really, really right here. A lot of Pentecostal worship songs have, have Jesus in the high place. He's in the high place. And that is, a, that is a beautiful place in a picture. He's at the highest place. Remember, he's not going to be king. He's already king. 
He's at the highest He's at the highest place. So what is he doing there? Well, Romans 8.34 said he's interceding. Let's capture that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, listen, I don't get up in the morning going, man, it's Tuesday. I think I'm just going to sin all day long. You know, I don't know that any of you all do that either. He tells us not to. Stay away from it. It's hurtful to you. It hurts other people that you don't even know. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, interceding for the transformation of our lives. You see, the ascension is, 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 is essential in the story of the gospel because it brings in the Holy Spirit. Jesus can't be everywhere in physical form. He can't do it. We actually have more access to him on the throne at the right hand of God than we did when he was physically here on this earth. Do you understand that? I'll show you that in just a moment. So what is he doing there? He's interceding and he's, he's advocating for me and you to, to give us another chance. I don't say second chance because it's more than two chances. And God has given me several, several chances in my life uh, to surrender and to begin all. His mercies are new every day. That's beautiful about him. But it's gotta be a focus on that transformation. I wanna get away from the old life and I wanna walk into that new life that's in the Lord. But he's guiding the mission of the church and he's guiding his mission, the mission of Jesus. He guides that. So he's interceding, he's advocating, he's directing the church. Listen to me, he's exactly where we want him to be. He's in the most high place, interceding for me and Julie. We're going through a tough season, but it's not anything that you all haven't gone through. I don't want our season to look like it's any bigger than yours, because it isn't. But I'm just saying, he intercedes for us. There's things that come my way and I shake my head going, man, is this just more stuff I gotta do? And I, I'll tell you where I've gotta go with that. The first place I've gotta go is to the Father. And I'll hit that in just a moment. But look at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 for just a moment, if you will. This is a beautiful passage. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, ascension, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. And we're gonna sing that confession during our invitation in just a moment. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who has been tested in every way as we are. You're gonna go, you gotta be kidding me. He has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. And look at verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Um, I, I'm going to step aside from my notes for just a moment. Uh, I, I want to tell you, in the last few years of my life as a pastor, uh, I have ditched being a church of programs. I've ditched it. Some of you know it. Some of you don't like it. I get it, totally understand. But it doesn't mean we're going back to it. I've been pastoring this church since August of 1998. We have tried 
and try it. We, uh, you're saying, well, I've never seen it. Well, I'm gonna call on some of the people that could. Men who have been here for a long time, we would start off with a men's Bible study. We'd have 50 people in it or more. Men, do you remember that? And within two or three weeks, we might have five. Same thing with women's Bible studies. My wife was one of our teachers. My wife is a gifted teacher. We'd start off, we'd order all the books, 40, 50, 60 books, start off, and in a few weeks, five or seven people. And thank God for those five. You're going, you should appreciate those five or seven. I do, but they'd show up if I read the Anderson News to them. You with me? If I, if I read the ingredients off Solo's dog box, they'd come and listen to it. And it, it's just never worked. You remember, we started trunk or treats in this area years ago at the high school. We would have three and 4,000 people show up. Do you remember that? Three and 4,000 people. We did it one night where the bags of the kids had so much candy, the bags were splitting open at the bottom and falling out all over the blacktop. Do y'all remember that? And we were getting people on campus, but people weren't following the Lord. I can get people on campus. You're going, preacher, you don't know how to do that. I can do that with the best of them. But it, just because you've got a crowd doesn't mean you have a church. All right? And some of you all are screaming, we want more, 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 but yet you won't come, come, come. But what I want you to do as a pastor is this. I would rather you miss a campus event and spend time with him. And the reason he ascended is so you can. The reason he's at the right hand of the Father is so you can go to him and spend time with him and get to know him on a level that's unexplainable. And it says, let us approach them. He did this so we could go there more. Sometimes we'd rather go to our program than spend time with the Lord because the Lord's gonna give you an adjustment that you don't wanna do. Like you'll go, to, you'll go to Honduras and serve, but you won't witness here because it means your life has got to match it. You'll go 100 mile rule, but you won't do it here. Folks, I'm leading with you all and I'm pleading with you that if you will spend time with the Lord on a more regular basis and approach the throne that he is sitting on, for this very reason, with boldness, you'll see movements of God that's going on in other parts of the world. I think the reason we don't is because we look at programs and campus activity and we don't go to the Father who can give us the power of the Holy Spirit to push through hell itself. So you're going, why is it going on somewhere else and why here? We run from this. And you and I have got to run to this. When our marriage is about to fall apart, you take it to the throne. When our kids are wilder than a buck deer, you go to the throne. When you got more months than you got money, you go to the throne. Y'all gonna be late for lunch, I'm just gonna tell you. 
You hear me? I'm telling you, I'm leading you to do this. I'm not leading this to be weird or crazy or different. This is what we're missing. And this is exactly why he ascended. So he could be approachable. He could be approachable to you. You gotta go, you gotta go there. I'm seeing the Lord answer a lot of prayers in our life and you are too. And I'm not saying he's not and I'm getting hoarse. I'm a big horse, I'm not a little pony, by the way. (laughs) Sorry about that. And we go there, why so that we find mercy? We find mercy and grace here. And listen, I'd rather you spend time with him and he reveals something for you to do and he invites you to do it than me come up with it and ask you to join it. So you may not agree with that and that's okay. I'm just telling you that's what I've been leading and that's where I'm going. That's where I'm headed. I'm headed to where some of the greatest skeptics in this audience are going to the throne with boldness more than they ever have in their life. And the Lord will reveal to you ministries to join, ministries to start, things to be plugged in, and it won't have to be being the preacher. Can I tell you a story before I let you go since we're already late? Can I? It's old, all right, because I'm old. Story is this preacher, he, uh, 11 o'clock, he'd go down to the train station. There was a depot in their town. He'd go to the train station, he'd sit on the, He'd sit on the deck, sit in the chairs, watch the train come in, unload it, load it back up, watch the train leave town. He'd go back to his work. He did this every day for a long time, several weeks. And uh, the church got talking about it. Man, our preacher's doing some weird stuff. He's going down there every day. I think it's about 11 o'clock. Sits in there, watch the train come in, unload, load it back up, watch it leave. Said, we're worried about the way that looks to our town. So they, get, they had one of those secret deacon meetings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, they elected one of the deacons to follow him. You keep up with it even more and find out why. So finally, the deacon came up to him and said, Preacher, we've been watching you for several weeks. Every day during the week, you come in here at 11 o'clock, sit down, watch the train pull in, unload, load back up. Boy. He said, we won't know why you're doing it. And here's what the preacher said. I love the story, by the way. He said, the reason I do this is I like to come to town. I like to see something come to town that I don't have to push. If you will spend more time there, you will see more fruit. You will see more people saved. You will see more movements of God than you will be able to explain. But we've developed a culture where we've got to be active on campus all the time. And I'm telling you, I I did that with the best of them. But I'm leading you to my dying day or he calls me home, or he comes and gets me. I'm gonna lead you to go here. That's the whole reason he ascended, is so you could approach him. And so when I see you running away from him, I'm gonna guide you back to boldly approach the throne of grace because he is there. He is there activating the church, his mission, He's interceding and advocating on our behalf. And you're gonna get power there. He's gonna bestow the Holy Spirit on you. And you're gonna have power to go through your deepest, darkest days you've ever had in your life. And I'm asking you to go there. That's the whole story of the ascension. Not so that he's done something supernatural. 
is he's approachable. He can go to him. Church, let's go to him. Let's learn to spend time. There are times my day gets busy like yours, and I hear the Lord say, hey, Jeffro, and, and sometimes he says it with the Louisiana ending, R-E-A-U-X. You'll, you'll figure it out about two o'clock. Okay? And, and I want to spend time with you. There are some things, like this ministry this afternoon at sunrise. We're doing it because he's revealed it to us. And all we're doing is obediently stepping into it. And we'll let him put the rest of it together. I want you to spend time with him, him to reveal things to you and empower you to carry those things out. I want to see a movement of God and this is the way it happens. Amen? Would you receive this today? Receive this today. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people today. We have decisions to make. And Lord, we get into your word. It can't just be a study of theology. It's got to be where my feet hit the dirt. And you've ascended so that you could be approachable. But yet, Lord, we don't approach you. And Father, before we go any further, forgive us of running from the King of Kings instead of to the King of Kings. Father, bestow upon us, quicken us a desire to spend more time with you. I thank you for the cross. I celebrate the resurrection. I thank you for the ascension because I know he's at the right hand of you. I know he's in a place of authority and I know he's there so that I can approach him. And I thank you for that. Father, Father, deepen our walk. Give us a craving to spend more time with you in your presence. Thank you for making all of this possible through your son, Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Our counselors will be here. You have decisions you need to make. Surrendering. You may be here and you're physically sick. Will you come let us pray over you? It may be something in your marriage or something financial or the emotional things we talked about earlier or spiritual direction. Come, let us pray with you and pray over you, okay? The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. Church, would you stand? Counselors, would you find your spot? The team's gonna lead us in our, we're gonna sing our confession today and the team's gonna lead us, you come.